Welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. I'm a uh, podcaster and writer. I do some other stuff. Um, and yeah, one thing I want to recommend is uh, there's a website called Electric Agora. It's by a very smart uh, philosopher I like named Daniel Kaufman. He sort of has like an online magazine. I guess it's like a one-man operation. Um, he has a good piece about um, – not he. A contributor named Modi Gorin has a good piece called In Defense of Linguistic Luddism, as in Luddites. And if you're interested in the fight over uh, the word woman, which seems like a um, – Never-ending fight. It's now gone on the floor of Congress with the whole uh, confrontation with Holly and what's her name from Berkeley. Uh, he just does. It's a good piece that he wrote, explaining in part that this idea that the term "woman" is exclusionary doesn't actually make sense. And I like the piece because also you should get in the queue if you have any questions or comments on everything. I have very little prepared tonight. Um, I. Did a piece on this too for my for my Substack, JesseSingle.substack.com. Like, if you think about it, for I could be missing something here. I'm open to being told I'm wrong. It seems like if you think about it for one minute, saying pregnant women or saying women are affected by abortion just refers to female people, however they identify. Uh, that is Modi's point in this piece. That it's never been the case that abortion rights don't affect trans men or non-binary people, they are obviously affected by abortion bans. They're obviously affected by abortion policy. So uh, this is one of many recent examples of just these symbolic debates that suck up all the oxygen in the room. Again, we saw it with this confrontation between uh, Holly and the Berkeley Law Prof. They're supposed to be talking about abortion, and he can immediately gain the upper hand by making it about these dumb, symbolic, religious-seeming arguments. So that's frustrating. I'm just going to take Neil's call. Other folks should get in the queue. Neil, what is up? Hey, Jesse. So I was calling not to ask about uh, this, even though I did comment about it in the chat. But um, I finished Patrick's Parabox, and then I was wondering if you... um, Do you enjoy, like, Zelda games? Because I know you were playing uh, Elden Ring, which is a Souls-like. But um, I was going to recommend you Tunic, because it's a really cool... Fun game. I've heard very good things about Tunic. This is a game where they don't the the a lot of the basic instructions are sort of written in a code, so you can't understand it at first. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one feature of it. That's pretty cool. Um, that that was a fun element, but it's basically just like like a uh, Zelda Link's Awakening plus like a Souls like. Um, oh, nice. Where you like die and yeah. It's, it's I've heard very cool. good things and it got good reviews. But um, yeah, what else is on your mind? Oh, that was, that was basically it. Oh, that I was I could, it. I thought you had... Yeah, no, no, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you Just were saying you had something else to... Uh, no, I guess about. I could uh, talk about the uh, the argument. My argument against pregnant women is that is that girls can also get pregnant, as we just saw with that uh, pretty awful case of the 10-year-old getting pregnant, and then girls aren't women, right? So then, right, there's an argument for, like, pregnant females, but then you might as well just say people... I don't know. I, I think there's arguments against it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess pregnant women just means like sexually mature females so yeah that, that, that's a good not pleasant to think about but some people can get pregnant at age 10 and then uh yeah that was a really horrible story uh yeah i mean i guess you could say i mean i think what gives away the game here that there's something a little bit religious going on is if you're really concerned about the term women in particular you could use females but i just think that people aren't actually cool with that because they 
I don't know. I think like it seems like the goal for a while has been to get rid of any any mention of biological sex and have that not really be a thing we talk about. Mm-hmm. So pe- people always like get offended when you say females. They're like, "Oh, that's like well, it sounds, it sounds weird or like dehumanizing." Yeah, like but then I don't know. I would just as easily say males, right? If it referred to something that affected men and boys, yeah. right? So I think I think that's like one of those things where they'll they'll say, "Oh, that's like like they call it like incelly to say females, but it's like, but I would do the same thing. It's just like a double standard. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you went, if you said like I'm gonna go out today and try to meet some females or said well, something, well, that context is bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> out tunic. I've been um, all my limited gaming attention has been going to Elden Ring, which just I mean, talk about just fucking addictive. Anyway, Ben, what is up? Hey, what's up, Jesse? Hey. Um, yeah, this is a weird issue to even exist, honestly. It's, like, so far removed from the reason that it even came up, you know? At least in the case of Holly's um, viral clip. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I guess I just have a general open question of what do you think in two or three years is going to be the new, you know, issue of the moment? Um that we that we aren't talking about right now like is there anything that you're just like this is going to become a big culture war issue that people aren't really um you know zeroed in on yet oh man that's a great question i i have no idea i do know that the like the general trajectory seems to be toward like slicing the identity salami thinner and thinner and thinner so you know, I mean, the Holly thing's a good example of this because now we're, we're no longer talking about trans people. We're talking about a the tiny, tiny subset of people who uh, are don't identify as women and get pregnant. So I just think mm-hmm. like it seems like among like those sort of weird Tumblr infected areas, it's going to be just more and more niche issues. I mean, that's if I had to guess. But on the other hand, like I, I think this abortion stuff is now going to be an issue for years. I think immigration will always be an issue because we just have such a dysfunctional impasse on it and we can't pass any reform. So man, mm. I could, I could make a lot of money if I could guess what the next weird niche issue will be. It'll, I can say with certainty, it will be stupider than any of us could predict in 2022. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think that's a safe bet. What do, what do you think it's going to be? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that you're right about it being a more and more niche specific you know, slice of the identities <laughs> salami. I, I like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be, it could be, um, I, I think maybe five years ago when I first heard about other kin, I think I probably assumed that that was going to be a thing, uh, already, which you don't really hear about too much, but yeah, I mean, I think that like probably, uh, trans, I don't know how to say this, I guess, but like, if there are other issues that would have some kind of trans aspect, you know, um, I don't think it would be trans racialism, but some sort of blending of, of boundaries seems to be the trend, you know, moving towards an identity too. Yeah. Like I did, I, this idea that whatever people say they are, they are except for race. Uh, I think right. we can see like weird disability rights stuff or weird new approaches to yeah, mental, I mean, mental health. Totally. That's already, I mean, the neurodiversity thing is something that I wouldn't have expected. You know, I, I actually find that 
really frustrating personally. Like I grew up with, uh, with Tourette's and like seeing, and I still have it and like seeing people, I guess, I, I think a lot of the intention is, is, is right. I think that people want to destigmatize these things, but I don't actually think that the condition is what we want to destigmatize. I think we want to destigmatize treatment. Um, and I would never wish Tourette's upon anybody, right? Like, that's a crazy thing to want to have. Um, but I guess if it gets you social currency, there's there's a... Is, oh, is that how you interpret, like, the TikTok videos and stuff? Like, people almost yeah. seem to want to have it. Yeah. yeah. I do think that most of the people who who have it and actually deal with it, like, in, the, in their day-to-day life would not be uploading the kinds of things that you see because it doesn't feel like it's, it feels more like an attention grab than it feels like an actual honest display of, of someone's Tourette's. Like I, I can't imagine anyone I know with it that, and I know people with varying degrees of it, you know, of, of different severities. Yeah. I don't think anyone I know would want to put that on display. And the, the whole problem is that it's always on display right? Like you can't turn it off socially. So if you had a place like TikTok where you could post about yourself, you would probably be hiding it. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily healthy either. I don't know. But but I don't see a lot of the TikTok Tourette stuff to be actually genuine to the experience of at least anyone I've met with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether life. or not it's healthy, it's noteworthy that that in the ostensibly for the purpose of destigmatization, people are acting in a manner that's like literally the 180 degree opposite of most people with Tourette's for whom I presume the the tics or the utterances are, you know, like you're saying, there's something you want to hide, right? Yeah, it's totally involuntary and uploading a TikTok is voluntary. So if you, if you're engaged in an action that you can edit yourself, you're probably not going to be, I mean, obviously everybody is different. I'm sure some people just own it, you know, and to a certain degree, I've just accepted it in my life. But like, I think that internal acceptance is a, is a totally different process than putting it on display for the world to see. To see. It, it doesn't really make as much sense to me. That's like a different kind of acceptance, and it's interesting to think about that difference because growing up, like, I definitely got like the self esteemy acceptance comes from within. You're the only person who can accept yourself. But this is. Mm-hmm a type of acceptance that seems to rely on like external validation exactly. publicly. Yeah. I think we might've even talked about this before in the last call. Cause I, I do think about this a lot of just this idea that like expecting validity and validation from others seems to be what this is all about when it comes to neurodiversity or just a lot of this other affirming stuff. Yeah. Did, um, yeah, you should, it doesn't seem healthy. Did you listen to uh, Freddie DeBoer on Barry Weiss talking about the gentrification of disability? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did actually. That 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 resurfaced a lot of this stuff. I think for me. Yeah, um, he, he's really good on that, and he he he's written a little bit about it from the autism angle. Scott Alexander, you know, Slate Star Codex has a good piece called "Against Against Autism Cures," and he's making a different version of the same argument, which is. Um, that the version of neuroatypical behavior we see and the version of autism we see is like this very high functioning. Oh yeah. I'm on the spectrum. I'm also like write columns for major newspapers, which just does not reflect what the condition is like for a lot of people. Cause the people with the most severe version of the condition are not writing articles about it. Exactly. And they're the ones who need treatment. So somebody who needs treatment, like 
I think the treatment is what should be destigmatized, not the existence of the condition, I guess. Because it's not like it's anything that you did, right? Like you're born with a neurological disorder. That sucks, right? Yeah. That's just the kind of dice roll. And but it's, it's also silly to be like, this is good or this is empowering. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not something not. to be proud of. It's, yeah. Like it's kind of, I, I mean, not to, not, not to go on too long here, but it kind of reminds me of like when I think about about pride, right? And the concept of pride month and gay pride, it's like, it's not my understanding of it is, and I've like sort of, I'm not in that community, but I know people, I have family who, you know, I I've seen it and it seems like it's, it's pride for being out, not pride for being gay. Yeah. It's like if you're still closeted, you're not going to, pride. Right. you're not, you know, exhibiting any sort of lifestyle that, aligns with the sense of pride about it it's 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 you know it's a shame of maybe not of being gay maybe that too but it's also a shame of being closeted of not feeling like you can be out yeah which makes sense because if you have a group that like had to even fairly recently like you have to hide it it, hiding it was such a serious matter, you could literally lose your job, your relationships over it. You can totally understand how a response to that would be the exact opposite of that. Like, right. let's just fucking go crazy and let's party. Uh, but I think you're yeah. right that I bet if you ask the average person, well, I think if you ask the average person, are you proud to be X, where X is anything, religion, race, uh, sexual orientation, I think most people would probably say yes, just because they haven't thought about it. And it seems weird to say no, but I'm I'm yeah. with you. It seems weird to say you're proud of um, you know, something that's immutable. But uh, anyway, yeah, good cool. uh, good call, Ben. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. And sorry, you have to watch people do the take. That's got to be annoying as someone with Tourette's. Uh, Seal or Sully? I can't pronounce it. Sully. Sully. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> Spanish. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to. Spanish, like from Spain. No, from from the south, from Argentina. Okay, welcome. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, two things. I was going to tell you something else, but first, uh, yes, I think the the thing about being pride is, uh, I don't know if you like which, but in ours is even an insult growing up to be called gay, in, like in in girls, like like not in girls, but most in boys. Like, you should be ashamed because you're not manly enough or something like that. Yeah, we had some of that. Yeah, I think that that, that the pride thing is a a healthy (laughs) reaction to, hey, I'm not ashamed. I'm proud of of who I am. Totally. I think it has a lot more to do with that. And it's very different with the other thing, the the thing about trans people and women and all the things that's coming up about uh, after the the abortion discussion and uh that that seems like more like something that comes that is provoked kind of uh this discussion i mean you are you are getting together and you are going for something and let's divide and conquer it seems more like creating a discussion that it's it's more than it should be like um for instance, I mean, the, I think the most important thing if we, in new things, if you want new things accepted by society, like, like and feminism is much more, much more older, but the trans movement is education. And education you have about discussion and it's a discussion of, of different people and you have it through, through culture and through art because, uh, for instance, we have a lot of loss. 
Okay, uh, we had a lot of loss for trans people. And the only one who had a lot of backlash was to Im the implementation of education about sex gender in schools. I mean, Did, you, didn't you guys just, Buenos, are you in Buenos Aires or elsewhere? In Buenos Aires. Yeah, there was just a taught New York Times article about how they outlawed gender inclusive language in, in BA schools, right? No. Oh, am I completely confused? <laughs> no, we we are we are the most we are. I, I don't think you will find a, a country that's most most politically incorrect that we are. We are terrible. I mean, if I I'm really looking f when I speak to not say anything inappropriate. But we have real laws. We have laws that you can go and change your ID in your name and all your documents on three instances. I mean, you can yeah. No, but look, I'm. I, no, no, I, I know, but I, I, um, I know it's a very liberal place, but the city. This is from the New York Times. The city of Buenos Aires. Oh, they blocked the use. They the use of gender know, inclusive language. Schools. Okay. You know how you say Latinx? Yeah, it's have, like that. In, yeah, and in Spanish we have all nouns and feminine or masculine. Right. So, like uh, young kids started using this. Uh, very that exclusive language that is impossible to follow because it's not like you. It's every every other word you have to change it to an a or to an or to a different termination. And yes, there's this. this I didn't know about this, but it, instead of bienvenidos, it's bienvenid uh, at example, sign like an email with an s. or bienvenida, and yeah. you have to say bienvenide. You know, <laughs> yeah. like in every word, it's in every in every um, adjective. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know if they pull it or not. I mean, it's, it's senseless that let the kid do it. And if they, if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, it's obviously language is a, um, I mean, like we don't have parents, for instance. You have mother, father, parents. We have mother, father, and the plural. Padres. Yeah. Yeah. So it is obviously. Uh, a, a very reflection of ma of machismo, but it, I mean, it's, it's the language. <laughs> it's, it's going to be hard to change it. It's it's, it's a. Uh, I don't think it's important. I don't think it's relevant. I think it's one of those discussions, as I as I'm saying, as I'm telling you now. Because uh, can you uh, please? Nobody gets mad because it's it's really because I don't know when I looked for it and I I didn't found anything that's remotely clear. The term transmisogyny. Can you explain it to me? Um, maybe others can in the chat. My understanding is transmisogyny is basically just um, being bigoted against trans women. So it's okay. like misogyny but against men. trans women. I guess the misogyny, I would think, would, would only target trans women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, well, the term misandria, I think it could be, it, it, you cannot look for it. The same you cannot look for, and what is a man? I mean, there's the, the same that in sports, of course. I mean, it has a reason, but it was trans women. It wasn't the other way around. It's, it, it seems so made up. That's what I... I don't know if you get what I'm telling you. Well, sorry, what, which part seems made up? The, the things that, that it's like not made up, but fuel up to a point where the same that put, put, put in feminists against uh, trans women. Yeah. It seems like uh, something that distracts more than, and it, it is it is getting to a point where everybody's kind of fighting each other instead of constructive dialogue. Yeah. And I don't know. There's no famous trans women on TV or anything like that. Like you have Oprah or something before. 
Well, we have a few, but you're saying in Argentina you guys don't have famous ones? Yes, that helps yeah. so much. That, yeah. that girl is so adorable and so willing to. <laughs> they are. They have TV shows and they are amazing. And, they, and if you see the way they talked about it, I mean, you you have to love them. <laughs> if, if, if you're not like really, really bad person, you, you, you I mean. What? I think there's like sort of maybe it's the difference between, you know, I grew up when the gay rights uh, or the gay marriage battle was gaining steam. And it was just very it's very hard to like hear the story of an individual gay person or an individual trans person and not want to root for them. But I don't I could be wrong. I don't remember when when gay marriage was a fight in the States, this same level of like asking people to change language that is familiar with them to to not use you know say abortion's a women's issue or or women can get pregnant it just i don't know i i've yet to understand what the benefit of it is for all the the it, i've never seen an there's issue no this talks yeah i don't there's think no there's benefit. a benefit yeah and the language there's no benefit the same the thing that i was telling you about schools that is i think it's most important that uh, in sex education, that is legally obliged in schools, uh, there was a law in 2012 that added uh, the part of gender issues. Where you, where you, when you are explaining sex education, it's a part of trans, trans people, it's a part of explanation to education. And the other laws, we don't have any problem with. This one from 2012, even the part of the sex, it's not even, uh, that's, that's not implemented. I mean, Education is where you get acceptance to people, where you, I mean, uh, the same that I was telling you, the, the same that you say any gay people, you, yeah, but it depends on how they say it. Because if you're attacking me, I'm going to react in a certain way. So it, it can't well, be. That, no, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, my, my, like, it was a formative issue for me growing up in Massachusetts. My state was the first to, like, pass gay marriage through our. Supreme Court, but it was there was never a sense that anything like was being demanded of us other than just letting people get married, and it was so hard to even come up with an example of how people could be against that. I I don't know. I just feel like these issues are different. But you have personalities that that drove that. Well, we did well in gay marriage. We also did and went to the Senate, and, and we did an abortion, and I think. That education, if you're not going to be able to give it at schools, and you cannot let it to the to the to the public in general, because most parents, uh, I mean, if you have a boomer, maybe you're not being, you're going not to be getting the best education. But uh, sometimes there's this personality that can really, and you can get the education there because education is the only way to forward to acceptance. To me, yes, yeah. if you don't know you. You are afraid. I mean, it's in everything. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the uh, Argentine perspective. Thank you for calling. No, thank you. (laughs) Bye. Sean, what is up? Hello. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Um, I was going to ask you a short question whether you agree with me that there's uh, been a decline in, what's it, two interrelated things uh, over the last six months. Glenn Greenwald's Twitter and um, the stupid poll subreddit, both of which seem to have kind of gone almost like kind of crazy in a way. <laughs> um, I 
I will always have a soft spot for Glenn, and I think we need people like Glenn. We need people who are like very aggressive defenders of, you know, civil liberties and free speech. I do think sometimes he sort of blurs some important distinctions between the parties, and um, yeah, I, I I'll phrase it diplomatically. I will sometimes look at his Twitter feed and be like, I don't know why he's on about that. It's sort of the same thing with Stupid Poll, where I think it's a very entertaining subreddit. I'm this is um reddit.r reddit.com slash r slash Stupid Poll for anyone curious about them. It's a leftist, pretty socialisty uh, subreddit that's pretty opposed to like identitarianism and identity politics. So it's it's up my alley, but. Yeah, they, there's like this degree of nihilism that has set in, I think. I think a lot of people have been blackpilled, and um, you just get to this place where it's just like a shitty nihilism where nothing matters and it's not really worth supporting anything, and all politicians are equally corrupt. I, I don't know. I think there's like. I think social media has that effect on people. If you're mainlining Twitter and Reddit all day, it could bring you to a pretty dark place, especially if you entered already like pretty cynical. Yeah, but it seems at least I I, I don't really agree more with Twitter loads, but it seems at least on the stupid polls I've read it, it's gone not just that all politicians are bad, but that Marjorie Taylor Greene is the best politician in Congress. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> seen posts. Wait, they like MJT well, now or M- Marjorie MTG? Uploaded comments, right? So there'll be stuff about that, and it will kind of is this. You'll find comments quite upvoted, which seem to be kind of pro the kind of far, like the, the kind of right wing of the Republican. Oh party. God! Yeah, um, but but I can't point to any example, unfortunately. You just kind of just kind of look on the thread. No, I've seen. Them. Look, I've seen some weird. I did a I did an AMA with them. I I like them overall, but I've seen some weird stuff on them. So that um, unfortunately, it wouldn't surprise me. I think online. I don't want to like defend whoever is up voting Marjorie Taylor Green post, but the line between like trolling and earnest beliefs gets very, very fuzzy, and especially in a community like that that has a lot of edgelordy yeah. people, there might be some sense of like just trying to get a rise out of people. I hope but, that's part it, of it because I hope people aren't yeah. earnestly supporting Marjorie Taylor Green. But its initial kind of like six months were pretty good, where it wasn't that it was quite earnest. Yeah. Uh, so. Ugh, this, yeah, watching yeah. these trajectories is very depressing. I'm with you, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to go look up. Thanks to you, Sean. I'm now going to go make myself mad yeah. by looking up the Marjorie yeah. Taylor Green post on Stupid. Just Reddit. type in Marjorie Taylor Green on the search box, and I'm sure there'll be something. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Sean. No problem. Uh, I'm going to skip over Neil, you, Neil, to get to Mickey, but then I'll I'll take your call next. Mickey, what is up? Hey, Jesse, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to ask what you thought about um, just, you know, with the increasing insane amount of, uh, you know, polarity that we've been seeing over the last, like, five to seven years or whatever. And I saw something recently that said, it's like a poll that said, like, 40 to 50 people percent of, like, people think that there's going to be a civil war in America. I think that's, like a vast overstatement of like the possibility of something as insane that happening. But do you, do you think there's any chance that just people will start to just embrace the idea of sort of a more libertarian? And I don't even mean that in like some kooky sense of just being more like, Hey, we're going to do, we're going to have more of a state local polity and 
stop trying to do this complete like top down for every single you know difficult aspect of of life with the culture war and everything because it's just it just seems like it's just so clear that we just can't have this one size fits all for all these like insanely hot button issues yeah i mean I don't know. When you think of like the difference between like Massachusetts state government and Mississippi state government, they really might as well be different countries. Yeah. And um, I, it would not shock me. I mean, I think there is a general tuning out where people just like find politics too crazy. There is this idea that I've never really looked into critically, but it makes sense to me of the exhausted majority of like most people who just like see what's going on on social media or in politics and are just like, I want nothing to do with that because most people, people are pretty normalish so that wouldn't surprise me at all i mean i i'm not worried about a civil war the only asterisk is i genuinely think something horrifying could happen if there's like a close presidential election and um yeah. look i'm not just worried about republicans because i i think liberals could easily like become election deniers in the right circumstances but i do think there's some um states that are purplish but where like certain Republican they, they really are trying to get people into office who think Trump won in 2020 and the idea of what happened in 2020 but breaking just a little bit differently uh, and like the wrong people being in the wrong place at the wrong time what, what happens when we have a genuinely close election and it's like Ohio or Florida and we genuinely don't know who won I just can't really imagine anyone seeding things given how heated everything is That that's what worries me yeah it's it, that that would definitely be terrifying. Uh, something you guys should check out is uh, I'm in Maryland and um, apparently so the Trump supported uh, gubern- the Trump backed gubernatorial candidate for the Republican Party just beat uh, Hogan's, uh, I guess, like picked predecessor who is like yeah. way more moderate. And I read an article recently. It was kind of confusing, but it basically said that um, this democratic gubernatorial super PAC or something donated, a, basically ran, spent a bunch of money on ads sort of promoting for the Maggie candidate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was even the article was confusingly worded because it was kind of implying that the, that the, uh, that the ads had a negative tone, but it almost seemed like they like wanted to like give this like red meat to, <laughs> Republicans that would like just vote for him because he has way less of a chance of winning in, in, uh, you know, in, in, in blue Maryland. I don't know. I just, when I heard that, I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like what you guys think on the podcast. I guess it's a 12 dimensional testing, but my theory would be, um, you know, Maryland is blue, but a lot of blue States, including my home state of Massachusetts will elect moderate Republican governors. Yeah. So the theory is, if you can get the crazy MAGA candidate through the Republican primary, he'll get demolished in the general. That's, that's, yeah, the, I get the, I get the policy. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's just very weird. And yeah. But and then what if he just that, does, what if he does win? Like people don't pay that much attention to gubernatorial races. Yeah. And I mean, it's also just like, but if they did that with the explicit hope that, <laughs> that he would actually like, that they would be promoting him among Republicans. It's like, that's some pretty dastardly, you know, I don't want to be speaking at it like a turn again. This is just something I just read a little bit of about, but it's just like definitely pricked up my ear. I'm going to catch up on that. That seems like a hell of a story. If I can find the article, I'll I'll miss it. Yeah. Send it my way. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Becky.
Right. Neil, what's up? So I thought of another uh, question to ask. So I'm mixed race. And sometimes I think about how, like, when I see some, like, super woke thing, and it's like, oh, you know, you have to feel guilt or whatever. It's like, do I feel half guilt? Or, like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like mixed race people, like, totally just, like, destroy, like, the kind of, like, race ideology from the left because it doesn't doesn't work on an individual person. It even works on, like, mixed race couples, right? Like, the the black wife will, like, start getting mad at the white husband or whatever. But when you're an individual person, I think it, like, doesn't... I guess there's white people that feel like full white people that feel guilt but i feel like if you're if you're actually mixed i feel like it's so hard like and then so i think in like hundreds of years right like way more people will be mixed race and that then the ideologies just like won't work anymore like i'll be long dead so it doesn't help me but i just think about how like it, the the race card will eventually die just because of racial mixing yeah i mean look it's just these are points. very essentialist beliefs and they just don't i don't think they capture most people's i i intuitions about race uh and it's obviously more complicated if you're mixed race because yeah man i just unsurprised anyone listening i just find this whole uh the way we talk about race and this idea that you have internal whiteness and you don't find it and hunt it down i just i think it's very unhealthy but uh yes eventually we'll all be mixed race and none of this will matter and i look forward to that yeah it's it's a silver lining even if we somehow haven't gotten past it just through like debate and like natural competition of ideas it will eventually fade just because it literally won't be practical i believe that was the end of bullworth where uh the warren baby uh politician character says everyone just needs to fuck one another till we're all the same color so (laughs) an inspiring goal to look forward to thank you neil a a b b b and then shauna and ian and then i got to uh roll out hi jesse uh first i wanted to hey you just cut out a minute can you say that again Hey, you said you just wanted something. My condolences. I'm sure you're mourning the departure of Stavros Halkius from the Come Town podcast. <laughs> and just, you said before that that was a huge influence on Lost and Reported. <laughs> yeah, if I did, I was being sarcastic. I've tuned in once in a while. I know he's gone. Are they just? Are they basically still doing it, but just with like other guests? It, it's now the uh, Adam Friedland show, and it's all <laughs> based around Adam Friedland. Um, uh, yeah. I also want. To- to ask, recently LeBron James said that uh, Celtics fans were racist as fuck. Uh, how do you feel as the most oppressive minority? Celtics, uh, Celtics fans, fans, right? Uh, I haven't read the article. I mean, did he say that people had made comments at him? This is the thing. It's kind of weird. He, it's well, it's from I think his show, The Shop, where he just basically talks to people, and he says something that he says verbatim Celtics fans were racist as fuck um but he has also said before that he's never heard anything racist from a Celtics fan at some point now maybe he was lying then yeah um and he also decided going on he goes on to mention people had like fuck LeBron t-shirts which to me doesn't seem like anytime uh, anytime there's a um team with a superstar in town there's t-shirt vendors outside the TV garden that will sell like fuck whoever t-shirts definitely fuck LeBron because they, cause he beat our ass a few times. So, so that was part of his evidence of like untoward fan behavior. Yeah. So like, yeah, he mentioned that now I don't, but to me it's like, it doesn't seem like to uh, actually support the idea of fans being racist. However, now he is himself, right? He knows better than anyone what types of things fans say. So who am I to say that he doesn't hear stuff, but I don't know. It, sometimes it feels like he's just kind of conflating stuff, or I, I'm not sure. 
I'm not a Celtics fan personally. I'm wondering what you think. Have you ever, going to uh, games, seen that? No. I mean, okay, Boston has a very racist history. There are significant numbers of white racist people in Boston. I've gone to a lot of Celtics games. I would be absolutely shocked if someone used a racial slur, um, partly because... It's a pretty white crowd in my experience. It's not like overwhelmingly so. There's a lot of like black and Latino and Asian people there. Uh, I think in 2022, I'd, I'd be very surprised. I never want to say never because, again, it's Boston and we have a bad race, racial history. But, yeah, I would be curious to know what the examples were. I, it seems unlikely to me he would make that up. And I, I think uh, in the NBA, Boston does have a pretty not so great reputation among black players. And there's very legitimate historical reasons for that. So I'm skeptical that someone would like outright hurl a racial slur to South this game, just cause like everyone would find out about it immediately. It would be on video somewhere, but um, I guess you never know. I mean, I, I wouldn't discount what he's saying. Like you're saying, he knows his stuff. I would just want to know more about what happened. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not saying he knows. I, I, obviously I think that he, he knows better than anyone else does, but uh, sometimes I think I find him a bit unreliable. Like I, I don't know if I can trust everything he says literally. Now, however, but like I have no way of just confirming it, right? And of course, you know there is a history of racism in Boston, and I'm sure that there's some people somewhere in Boston who go to the games who said something at all, right? If if not outright racist, somewhat uh, you know covertly racist. Yeah, like, look at where's the line? Yeah, mm-hmm. I. Um... But the problem the problem is it's a dynamic where. It's no one wants to defend it and say, "Oh, no, that's not true." Unless you're like a diehard Celtics crazy person, it's like it's hard to get like sort of a, a moderate. Sort yeah, of I mean, there. it would be silly to to be that skeptical, just given again yeah. Boston's history. I just, I, I to me, it doesn't reflect the reality of like going to a Celtics game in 2022. It's not like, uh, I don't know. It's yeah, it's a very it's a very raucous crowd. They will yell. The, you know, chant "fuck Draymond Green" or whatever. Uh, like it's it's a charged atmosphere. But anyway, all I can say is I would be surprised by that. But I would obviously hear him out. I will. I I want some people to tell LeBron that I, Jesse Singer, will hear him out if he has more evidence. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna let him know. Uh, last, <laughs> Please send him a DM. Last thing, uh, another update on the goings on of Streamer Destiny. He has been talking about starting a media company, and I thought it might be interesting to. If you would maybe, if you're interested, to, to have a talk with him about that, because you understand that better than anyone, probably, or better than most people he's familiar with. That'd be fun. Yeah, I have no, I would never want to like run a full blown company, but in terms of like launching an individual thing, I know how to do that. Although he definitely does too. But uh, yeah, I'd be, I'm curious to see what he uh, does with that. I should talk to him more. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Thanks, man. Shauna, what is up? Hello, can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. Okay, wonderful. Uh, how are you? How is your summer going? It's good. Yeah, I've been pretty low-key. I'm a little bit behind on some work, but but can't complain. How about yours? Uh, fantastic, because here on Katie's Island, we have our two weeks of summer, and I have been enjoying it uh, thus far. So, Glad to hear it. Uh, when, yeah, when the sun's out, everyone is just cheerful as can be. Um, but I had one request and one um, warning. So I'll go with the warning. I think you need to go on uh, your friend, the uh, the fifth column website, friend of the pod, 
not website, on their podcast again, because they are really bad mouthing you. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you're going to have to defend your good honor. What do they say? Um, I know they made a comment about my basketball ability, or one of them did. Yeah, I mean, it's usually some little, you know, swing that uh, Barpod is the the second podcast <laughs> and uh, just the the less successful. We need to uh, fact check that, given that we are the first and only podcast. Yeah, I'm just I'm just letting you know they've they've thrown you under the bus a few a few times. I think on their both in their public and, and well, I definitely feed. need more feuds. So I'm I'm here by launching a feud with. Uh, Moynihan, Foster, and Welch. Excellent, thank you. And then, secondly, and sorry, I'm not I'm not up on my culture war stuff again. It's summertime, so I'm taking a break. But I just wanted to put in my monthly reminder that uh, y'all are overdue for more live broadcasting. On I know Tuesdays. we got to do that. We will do that. We're so behind. We'll we'll catch up somehow. All right, I'm just reminding you. I'm I'm putting it out there. So um, honestly, that that's it. So that's my thank you, Chana. My moments of levity. I appreciate right, the reminder. You, yeah, we're we've been really bad about these live events. So I have no excuse. Maybe internalized anti-Semitism. I hate myself, so I can't do the live event. Ian, what is up? Hey Jesse, I think uh, the Fifth Column podcast referred to you as uh, uh, the the Bar Pod as uh, a cover band of the Fifth Column. Podcast, <laughs> so. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about what you thought the uh, state of um, corrections in, in media, especially in new media, is these days. I know you and you and Katie go to great lengths, great lengths um, to uh, correct anything that is incorrect on on BarPod. Um, but if you kind of like look at you know uh, the Bad Faiths podcast with Jacob Blake coverage, or if you look at you know everything that's going on with Leona um, Hale. Um, issue. And then um, I personally, I also had it affect me. I had a family member who I do not agree with probably on anything politically, uh, worked for Chris Kobach, um, but was sued uh, for firing an employee. And um, it was a pretty easy to understand. It was like a a false um, suit, but, you know, the Young Turks went after uh him oh, God. um and yeah and uh the youtube video is still up and then kind of like uh, even though it was just a suit it was you know reported as all fact but you know no corrections are made in any of those situations i just wanted to know like what you thought about the current state of corrections no i mean it's really bad i i appreciate you saying we try to be thorough about that i think once or twice we've just forgotten to Correct stuff. I don't think anything major, but then like suddenly it's five or six episodes later. Do you want to revisit it? We probably should. It's hard to like actually be consistent about this. I think, I think it's really bad. I mean, we just did a, a um, you know, a premium episode today about some of these police shootings where these like assholes on Twitter will immediately start spreading rumors, um, oftentimes based on eyewitness testimony that is always flawed, especially like if something traumatic and horrible happens, like someone getting shot, you cannot trust eyewitness testimony. We've seen this over and over and over again, but yeah, people basically for clout will start spreading this idea that, you know, cops killed an unarmed person for no reason that it was an execution. And there've been three or four instances of this now where it's just not that, I mean, these are situations sometimes where the person in one instance, a girl, you know, was trying to stab another girl, Makia Bryant. 
Liana Hale was pointing a gun at police, and I, I just think it's um, it's really bad. There's no accountability. The people who spread these lies, spread this fake news, don't seem to be held accountable at all. I, you know, I, I know less about these, you know, bad faith or other podcasts. My sense is there's a pretty shitty culture that has set in of not correcting stuff. And I know when I've tried to get even major outlets to just correct, like basic stuff, oftentimes they won't. So I'm very demoralized about this. And I also think it's like, you know, it's an instance of, um, in certain ways, us coming to resemble the rights fake news ecosystem, which I was writing about in like 2015. So I find that very depressing. Completely agree. And I think it's the best way to like reestablish, you know, credibility uh, for a lot of these institutions if they, you know, publicly come out and say, oh, we, we got this wrong. Um, and I think it just undermines, you know, faith in any, any media. Um, and you're seeing it more in mainstream and, and new media as well. But um, anyway, I just hopefully we can, um, if, if people were just more honest about the mistakes they make, I think it would do better for everyone. Yeah, no, that would make a big difference, but unfortunately we're not there. But uh, anyway, that's a good question. Thank you, Ian. It's something I, I went off a little bit on because I'm very depressed about it. Okay, actual last caller will be Gus Simpson. He will be the last. Hey. There we go. Hey, okay. Gus. So I uh, I was listening to your uh, the, the latest episode, and you mentioned the Sesame Place incident. And I don't know, obviously, if everybody else on this has heard that. Um, and I was, you know, I thought you guys did a reasonable take on that. But I was wondering if you could sort of give us your thoughts about when it could, if there's really something that happened, when it becomes appropriate for people to protest or complain to companies about employees. And I'm thinking in particular about the recent reporting that some large pharmacy chains like Walgreens and CVS or Dwayne Reed um, have employees who are refusing to sell condoms and fulfill prescriptions for birth oh, control, God. that kind of thing. Um, that's awful. I didn't, I didn't hear about that. Uh, yeah, Sesame Place, this is – someone posted a video. Sesame Place is a Sesame uh, Street theme. So, uh, hey, can people still hear me? I can now. Did I I'd cut out for a minute, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, yes. So the the there was a video from the Sesame Street theme park, Sesame Place that uh, these two <laughs> it's sort of sad. These very cute little black girls trying to get a uh, someone dressed up in one of those big costumes to high five them or hug them, and it appears the character like waves her hand no. Uh, people immediately acted as though this was because they were black. Again, without knowing the race of the person in the suit, Sesame Street released a statement saying, no, they were waving to someone else. Um, I forget. I already forget exactly what it was. I think someone was trying to get them to, the character to hold their baby, and they can't do that. So uh, people didn't accept the apology or the statement. Sesame Street then issued an apology. Ben Crump, a civil rights lawyer, posted this Instagram of other videos out of context um, with in some of them, it looks like similar stuff is happening. Like black kids are not getting hugged or high fives, but it's just, it's, these are all five second clips and it's just really hard to say. And if you took a camera to Sesame place and you filmed eight excruciating hours of footage of one of these characters, high fiving kids and interacting with them. And as they're doing that, they oftentimes then have to go back into the parade route to do their silly little dances or whatever. So they, at some point they have to stop. I, I just, 
I think you will find a lot of examples of them hugging and high-fiving kids of every race. I'm very skeptical that the explanation is racism versus people making a snap judgment about out-of-context videos, which we've seen them do a lot. Now, um, how would you get this to the point where it should be a big deal? I don't know. You'd have to just like establish more of a pattern somehow. Like, I'm just not satisfied by these snippets of video. It sounds like the Walmart thing. If there's specific instances of employees refusing to do their jobs, that's either true or it isn't, right? Like, it's pretty objectively obvious whether or not that happens. Yeah, and uh, you can read the corporate statements which say essentially, well, they allow their employees to have exercise conscience, but somebody else is supposed to to process things in those in those instances. But you know, the, the reporting is, is cases where that wasn't the case, where there's no one else who filled the processing. But what I'm coming back to here is, you guys on the podcast and on your Twitter, you know, you're always very, um, and I think you're usually right about this. You know, the supportive of the idea that, like, it, it's crummy to go after the little guy in the, you know, in, in terms of a, uh, a company. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, are there instances where you think, you know, maybe, like, is there, what, do you have a line there? Do you think there are lines that, that can get crossed? And, you know, it's it's perfectly reasonable for people to, to sort of um, complain and make a fuss. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm not saying like as a matter of principle, you could never accuse of um, complain about the behavior of like lower level employees. Like for me, you know, I bet Sesame Place has security cam footage that gives them would let them just like I said watch eight hours of excruciating footage of these parades. I bet you could get a pretty clear sense of whether there's actually any pattern of racial discrimination. Um, so I would just, I would want a little bit more evidence. I mean, in the case of something like Walgreens, uh, Neil is pointing out in the chat that uh, I think you just said too, there's a policy that lets them get someone else to fill that prescription. So um, yeah, I don't want to fall back on it. It's complicated, but I didn't mean to give the impression that like it's never okay to criticize individual employees. I just thought in this case the evidence was so thin that it wasn't fair that these people sweating in these suits to entertain kids were being called out on the basis of such little evidence. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Thanks, Jess. All right, everyone. Sorry about that little audio hiccup, but this was good. There were good questions. Uh and I appreciate you guys uh, asking them. Uh, as always, I would just say that if you like what I'm doing here on the show or you like my other stuff, spread the word about it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. Check out blockchainreporter.org and jessiesingle.substack.com. <laughs> I'm really slurring my speech. jessiesingle.substack.com. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night.